Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Me, Myself and Mum Life podcast. Before we get started, thank you as always for those of you that tune in every single week and listen to the new episodes. If you don't already, don't forget to visit wherever you listen to the podcast and hit the follow button. It just means that you'll get reminded every time a new episode comes out and you'll never miss it. I've also really appreciated over the last few weeks your feedback that's been coming through around the podcast episodes that I've released. And in particular, last week was probably the most messages that I've received off the back of a podcast where I talked with Kim about breastfeeding, bottle feeding and all things feeding your child. It just shows once again how polarizing that particular topic can be. So I appreciate everyone's messages and it's been really lovely to be able to hear about your experiences and kind of chat about that. I always think talking about things like that out loud really does help you heal from what can be a traumatic decision or experience that certainly some of you have shared with me. So as always, I appreciate you sending me through the feedback um, and you sending me through your thoughts and feelings on the episodes that have been recorded so as you may have seen, if you follow me on Instagram at Holly and Thea, we were away last week in Centre Parks, or this week, should I say. So we went Monday to Friday. I did a Q&A over on my Instagram as well, all about Centre Parks, because I'm literally Centre Parks' biggest advocate. Um, people think it's expensive, but it's such an amazing family holiday. Like Thea and Hudson, from the minute we got there to the minute we left, were smiling and laughing and just literally living their best life. We chose not to go abroad this year. I think holidays are really expensive this year. And I don't regret that decision for one single second because we had some lovely sunny weather. There was loads for the kids to do and it was just an absolute pleasure. So I've had a bit of holiday blues this weekend coming back from there, knowing that our main holiday is gone and Hudson's gone away with his mum now for a week. So it's just the three of us. So yeah, Centre Parks, if you're interested, pop over onto my Instagram, you'll see all of my videos, pictures and my Q&A and my highlights as well. Everything you want to know about Centre Parks. So moving on to this week's episode then, I wanted to talk today, with this podcast being me, myself and mum life, I cover a lot of motherhood related topics, but today I want to cover something that's more personal to me. And I know lots of people that listen don't actually have children and really like these episodes where it's not specifically about motherhood. But today I wanted to speak about, a little bit about mental health and in particular focusing on um, eating disorders. So I suppose a bit of background from my perspective. I've, and before I get started on this subject, I want to just put out there, I am sharing my experience. I'm not a medical professional. I've got no judgment on what anybody else does. But I think with regards to mental health, it's very good to talk about it, especially in this day and age. It's more accepted, but still lots of people don't talk about it. And a lot of people that listen to the podcast have followed me on Instagram and Instagram can be a great place, a great community, but it can also be a place where you literally look and think, oh my God, their life's perfect and feel inferior. And I know lots of people have that relationship with social media. So I wanted to share a bit more around kind of some of the background thing issues I've had with mental health and some of the ways that it affects me personally and the way that I choose to look at it and deal with it in the hope that just talking about it more will help other people who might be listening as well. But like I said, no judgment here from hopefully anyone to me and me to anyone else because everyone has their own journey and experiences. But the main thing I wanted to say at the beginning is I've never been a fan of labelling mental health issues. My sister's actually a psychiatrist and she once spoke to me about this and said, 
sometimes like diagnosing and labeling isn't always helpful. Sometimes it is, but for me, it's not. And what I mean by that is, you know, there's days or periods of time I've been very, very anxious. There's days and periods of time where I've been depressed, but I don't like to say, oh, I've got anxiety, I've got depression, because for me personally, that then becomes a label that can define you. And it's almost like, um, then those days you are feeling down, oh my God, I'm, the depression's coming back. And for me, that that doesn't help me deal with it in a, a, a great way. Um, I wouldn't say I've massively suffered with my mental health, um, although people in my family definitely have suffered with mental health. So I've had really, really close firsthand experiences with quite severe mental health issues, I would say, and feel lucky really that I don't think it's, it's had massive impact on me during my life but it definitely I think everyone's got mental health and everyone's mental health can swing from really strong to periods of challenge and there's been lots of situations in my life since being an adult where you know it's been pretty stressful and as a result of that my mental health hasn't always been the best so like I said I have had periods of being quite anxious not so much depression I wouldn't say I tend to get more anxious about things and it tends to be when there's uncertainty in the future that I will then fixate on that and get quite anxious about it. And it, although when I'm in that moment, I don't really realise I'm anxious, it's always when I look back, I can see that I definitely am. And you become a bit more irrational about things. You know, you start thinking extreme case scenarios and catastrophizing um, about small things that you wouldn't, always be bothered about um like for me personally I went through a, a quite a stressful time at work probably five or six maybe seven years ago now um and it was really weird because I knew that the situation at work was stressing me out like a lot but then I started to get obsessed that my house was going to get broken into like very very obsessed with it to the point where when my partner at the time was away, I couldn't sleep. I used to be crying all night. I used to think someone was in the house, had all the locks upgraded on the house, all of these extra security measures put in. Because to me, I genuinely believe that risk was real. Whereas now looking back at it, I can see that realistically that was quite irrational. But in that moment, when you're in a state of anxiety, I think it's quite normal to believe whatever your brain is telling you is true at that time. And so it's often that like the anxiety for me will come out in a particular aspect. So like in that situation, I wasn't nervous in other settings, but when I was in the house on my own, I was constantly thinking someone's going to break in or something's going to happen to me. And that's how it showed up for me. And often when I talk to people and they'll say, oh, they've got this fear or phobia or whatever, when you get talking to them they often are people that are generally more anxious and that, that it comes out in one particular way it shows itself up if that makes sense so I've definitely had periods where as I say I've been quite anxious and now looking back on it I can kind of identify that but when you're in the moment it's really hard to see it for what it is and sometimes, you know, it can take people around you to point out that you're being irrational, but you don't even want to hear that. So I think anxiety is definitely the thing I would say I've suffered with more. And sometimes when I'm like deeply stressed about something, for example, when I was going through my divorce, physically, I can feel like symptoms of that. So like my left arm gets really numb when I'm like severely stressed. 
um, that's a sign for me, a trigger that I'm thinking, right, this is pretty bad. I need to change something up here. I think like recognizing your triggers and being more self-aware of them is really important because you can take action sooner so if I start ever getting that feeling like where my left arm's going a bit numb or I'm really tense I have to step back and think right what's going on here that's like causing me to feel this stressed or whatever it might be because what normally happens for me is I can be like running through a really stressful period it could be any reason and I'm trying to just carry on and carry on carry on and then my body starts to give me these warning signs and it's things like the numbness in my left arm definitely that I have experienced and I I don't think I really experienced it until I was going through my divorce and I used to be driving to work thinking I can't feel my left arm at all now um and like quite tense physically tense so those are the type of sort of physical feelings now that I can recognize and think right whatever's going on there's something going on that's causing you an issue here and you absolutely need to act to do something to change it because you can't carry on like this um and as a result it never escalates too severely from an anxiety point of view I would say that situation I described earlier where I used to think someone was going to break in the house was probably the most escalated that it got and it was just probably a lack of self-awareness on my part that that was what was actually going on whereas now I can recognize that and try and snap myself out of it a bit easier these days. Um, But anyway, the main thing I wanted to talk about today, because I have been asked quite a bit about this in the past, is eating disorders. And I've shared on my Instagram images of me in the past when I've been very, very skinny, very thin. Um, And there's a definite pattern that I've realized in my life where, again, when I'm in periods of uncertainty or particularly been anxious or something in my life feels out of control the one thing that can happen for me is it creates an eating issue and again I'm not going to sit here and say I've got or had an eating disorder because I don't like to label it like that and I can remember my dad once saying oh we don't need to worry about Holly having getting anorexic or having an eating disorder because she loves food so much and he's pretty much right about that um it's never got to the point where it's dangerous I would say from a perspective of like being so so thin but I do know that when something's out of control in my life one of the things that I can do is control my eating more and more and more and get very very thin and I would say I can pinpoint this happening on two occasions in my adult life where I've become extremely thin and both following quite traumatic breakups from relationships most recently when when um, I spoke for my husband and there was loads of stuff going on and yeah it's I think I was I think I managed it a little bit better that time because the first time was probably worse but again once you've been through an episode like that I think you can spot it more and try and control it a little bit better but that is my tendency and I know that and I accept it and I think a lot of things coming down to mental health is accepting who you are and how your mental health can show up for what it is rather than trying to battle against it that that helps for me it's like I know in stressful situations I can end up controlling my eating for example I am okay with that I accept it it's part of me as who I am and I can live with it and work around it because I now know about it and that that kind of self-talk really helps me to feel quite calm about it but I know when I was younger, I think I would have been in my early 20s and 
I'd been living with my partner, we split up. And so I was living on my own for a period of time. And I literally remember like I had no food in my fridge. I'd never had food in my fridge. My friends used to come around and joke and say, oh, Holly just keeps nail varnish in a fridge because I'd never made meals. I never had food. And I can remember doing some quite extreme things at that time, which I've never done since, but literally like I would ask someone to get me a sandwich at work, bite it and then throw it in the bin after I'd had one bite or I'd buy some crisps, have like two. So I had a taste of them and then throw them. Um, or even like when I was out for a meal, I'd have a bit of it and then I'd tip like salt and vinegar all over it so I couldn't eat the rest of it. That was probably the worst time. And I was very, very thin then. Um, I can remember like seeing this guy and he was used to say, we go out for meals. He's like, you never eat. And I'm like, yeah, well, whatever. Um, and I'd literally go to the shop and think, oh, I'm going to get yogurt and that'd be it. That's like the, the thing I'd eat for my meal. And it was not about like looking in the mirror and going, oh, you look really good because you're really thin. It was like the control element of like being able to control what I was eating. And at that time when I was younger, I wasn't doing any exercise or anything either. And I think you just abuse your body so much. Like when you're young, particularly, like you don't think of the health implications of doing those kind of things to your body. You just kind of like going through the motions. Um, and then that didn't, I would say that probably lasted about 12 months. I don't know, something like that. And I was, like I said, I was very thin. I remember that people used to like kind of stare at me when I was out. It wasn't like anorexic thin, but I was just really, really skinny. Um, and it wasn't healthy. Like that was not healthy at all. And then I got, got through that stage, um, met my husband as, as was, and probably put quite a bit of weight on. So I like went the other way. Um, and it was the lead up to our wedding when I started to really get into my fitness. So prior to that, I was the heaviest I'd ever been. And I wasn't really particularly happy how I looked. We say, oh, you look so much better and healthier. But that's because they were comparing me to like when I was really, really skinny. So I will share some pictures on my Instagram to kind of bring this to life because it's quite hard when you can't see them um, of then and, and other recent times as well. But yeah, I did put quite a bit of weight on. And I was just eating whatever I wanted. Also not healthy, not really exercising, just eating whatever I wanted, put quite a bit of weight on. And then we would used to be getting married. So that really kicked me into thinking, right, now I want to change what I'm doing. And I remember um, I was working away at the time and with me and one of my friends who I was working away with, we we used to go on these, um, I can't even remember what it's called now. It's like an aloe vera cleanse, stupid detox thing that I just look now and think, what on earth were you doing? Like, it's just like a crash diet. And I really like, don't have any time for stuff like that now. Like, I'd never, ever do anything like that. Um, but it got me into the gym, got me into fitness, like thinking, right, I want to look good for my wedding. And that was a big turning point for me around like, what what are you putting in your body and, and how healthy is it? Because getting like a double sausage and egg McMuffin every Saturday morning is not healthy. Um, and I wasn't fat by any means. Um, but I was a lot, lot bigger than what I am now. And like I said, just didn't feel like I had any energy. I struggled to like run up the stairs and just didn't feel strong in any way, shape or form. So getting into the gym and starting to do strength training and hiring a PT and working with them and just improving my general fitness. I can't explain like what an empowering feeling that is like for me. I could carry Hudson and Thea, both run them up the stairs and I wouldn't really be out of breath. I could walk up a steep hill with the buggy. It doesn't really phase me. 
Um, whereas I can distinctly remember in the past, like thinking of, oh, right, I've got to push that up there, for example, would make me think, oh my God, I'm gonna, I'm not going to be able to breathe at the end of it. Whereas for me now, I'm like, I feel really healthy and fit. And I am in a really good place at the moment, which is where I want to be. But going back to that time, I think, you know, my friends and family probably knew when you would make comments about, oh, you, you really thin and have you eaten? What have you eaten? But it, it, I always think with mental health, you have to want to change what you're doing or change the situation you're in, in order for you to change it. Just somebody just turning around to you and saying, oh, you're thin, you're this, you're that, you're not interested. And particularly then I was really young and I just didn't want to hear it. So I think going through that definitely helped me be prepared for the second time I experienced controlling again with my eating. And that was when I was splitting up from my husband. So again, it's like the separation of a relationship. And there was a lot of other matters going on at the time. And then we went into COVID um, and it was, so I was, I'd already lost quite a lot of weight in the lead up to COVID because it was 2019 to the year before where I started having the problems in my marriage, et cetera, and I'd been losing weight up to my wedding, but then I'd got to like quite probably a healthy place. And then that stress was like, set me right back again. And I wasn't doing any of those things like buying sandwiches biting them and chucking them in the bin but the amount of food I was eating was so low like looking back at it now I don't even know how I was really getting through days because I would literally have like protein shake at breakfast I would have some sushi at lunch and then like some dinner with no carbs for my tea if I even had tea and I'm like doing all of this exercise and I just don't even know how, how I was surviving really. But that was another period where I got really, really thin again. Um, still doing all my exercise though. So during COVID, well, my ex-husband used to say to me, actually, um, you're obsessed with the gym. Like I'd, I, once I got into it, I do absolutely love going to the gym and having that as part of my routine. It makes me feel really good you say you're obsessed with it and what you you wouldn't know what to do if the gym's shut etc and when the gyms obviously did shut for co like with covid me and one of my good friends we used to meet up in the morning at like 5 30 a.m before work and everything else and we used to train in the park um just doing like hip style high intensity training etc um and more than that I was living on my own during covid and I was on my own all the time. And I used to just walk and walk and walk. So I was doing like 30,000 steps on a quiet day, um, training in the morning, doing 30,000 steps, not really eating. I remember going to the supermarket during COVID. Um, there was like a little Tesco by me. And the queue was out of the door. I don't know if people can remember when it was like that. And I just thought, I'm not standing in that queue. I'm just not going to have anything to eat. Like, I can't be bothered. I'm just not. Um, and it was all wrapped in the same thing now again if I look back to it of like you know controlling what I could control at that time um, but how I was doing all that exercise and stuff when I was literally eating hardly anything I really don't know um, but what I did find again was I got very very thin and I wasn't really seeing anyone so no one probably realized that that was going on but I can just remember like looking in the mirror thinking yeah, you, you know, there was no fat on my body at that point in time. And again, I did have people around me who were saying, I, th I think you've got too thin. I just didn't want to hear it. I did sort of know, but I was just like, I don't, just don't want to hear that. I'm not interested. Um, but it wasn't a healthy place for me to be. But I just, 
I feel like I can control it to the point where it doesn't get into a dangerous space. And then lo and behold, again, once I came kind of out of that stressful situation and COVID was over and met Curtis and everything else, then I got back to normal again and back to the state and probably in now. So leading up to having Thea and then how I've become since I've had Thea, uh, I've, um, I'm in a good, healthy place again. But I know that that is never too far away. So at any time that could come back again, if there's another stressful situation it, and it is that acceptance of just thinking, well, if it does, it does, you know, you, that is part of me. That's part of who I am. And I also know I have tendencies day to day. So although I'm pretty healthy now, like I know in the first 12 weeks of my pregnancy with Thea, which I've talked about on this podcast before, I was really anxious because I've had, had the miscarriage previously. And another thing that I can do when I'm anxious is binge eat. I've never been, never been bulimic, never made myself sick. Literally being sick is probably one of my biggest phobias. But I remember being stood in the kitchen um, and Hudson had this cereal. It was like Rice Krispies, but like there were like cinnamon flavoured shape things. And I was stood there and I've literally eaten nearly the whole box dry, just eating, 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 not even consciously aware I'm eating it. It's just going in my mouth, eating it. I'm like, oh my God, I've nearly eaten that whole box of cereal. And I'll then think, right, I better not have any lunch now because I've eaten all that. And that can happen to me quite easily unless I'm really conscious and I plan my meals ahead and stuff. I can easily, easily binge eat stuff when I'm stressed or anxious and then think, right, I better skip a meal. And again, then I'm not being healthy overall. So I think, you know, people can look good on the outside, but you don't know what's going on for them and what sits behind that, you know, there's definitely been times since I've gone back to work after having Thea where I've had binge eating episodes without any shadow of a doubt. Um, but I try and be aware of it, try and notice the triggers. If it happens once, right, it's not happening again. Because like I say, that that can even involve going to the supermarket thinking, right, I'm going to buy this family bag of crisps. I'll eat them all and then I won't eat a meal. It's not common, but it does happen sometimes. And I can always pinpoint it to something that's going on that's stressful at the time. So this is just my life. It's something that I have to live with. Uh, like other people live with other mental health issues. This is the thing for me that is always there in the background that's always recurrent. But I would say... 85% of the time I'm very healthy now I have good meals I plan ahead and I really want to set a good example to Thea as well of like healthy eating and what a healthy diet looks like and a healthy lifestyle so at the minute in time as I sit here today I would say that it's quite well under control but like I said it hasn't always been that way and there's been challenges and I suppose with the fitness element now and the exercise it it can add into it because walking 30,000 steps a day it's not healthy either like that's extreme and to be doing it every day and I know it was COVID and I wouldn't even have time if I wanted to now but it's another kind of like extreme behavior that potentially can present itself for me if I'm in a stressful or anxious situation so looking out for the signs for it knowing that that's me accepting that that's me and knowing what my workarounds are is something that helps me massively now and I suppose for me around my body image and my weight and stuff, it, yes, I want to look good and feel good 100%, but 
the other side of it is the exercise and lifestyle makes me feel good and it makes me feel empowered and mentally strong, as I said earlier. So there's like a twofold aspect to it. And the only people ask me all the time, well, how many calories do you eat a day? What do you eat now? I don't track that. Like that's not good or healthy for me to do because I'm not trying to lose any weight. I'm quite happy with where I am. And I know that that can go down an, an obsessive spiral for me to the point where you can probably name any food and I know what calories is in it because I've tracked so much in the past, like when I was a lot younger that I know. So I don't need to do that. And there's nothing good for me in doing that anymore. So I don't ever really say what calories I'm eating on my Instagram page, for example, because I don't want anyone else to go into that kind of spiral. For me, I try and intuitively eat what feels like a good amount of food for me I'm really quite strict during the week but then on the weekend I'll have treats with the kids me and Theo just shared an ice cream in the park and so on and it's kind of having that balance now as opposed to being really really obsessive and I will weigh myself a few times a week I have like an upper amount of weight I never want to go over um and I can sort of vary between probably five or six pounds close to that or under it that's a healthy space for me to be in. If I go below that, I'm too skinny. If I go above that, I'm not happy. So that's how I kind of keep myself accountable and on track is like a few times a week, checking on the scales, you know, I'm aware I want to be. Yes, I am. Am I happy? How my clothes are fitting? How I look? Yes, that's it. There's no need for me to be counting calories and every single aspect of what's going into my body because that for me is where that spiral can start to occur. And I definitely don't want to get into that space. So, and and I know most girls I know have got some similar aspect to them, especially people who are really into the fitness and kind of want to look good. There's usually something going on there in the background like this. And like I said, I don't think it's helpful to say, oh, it's an eating disorder or whatever, but it's disordered eating, if you want to put it that way. So I always think, you know, whenever you see things on Instagram, you might see a picture of me training in the gym or thinking, oh, my God, she looks amazing. And I'm not saying look amazing, but people say that to me. Just understand what sits beneath that, because there's always a story and try not to compare yourself to that. I always think know what your health is, know what makes you feel good and follow that don't try and follow what somebody else is necessarily doing and I think it does massively help to get help if you're not where you want to be or you need some direction obviously being with Curtis is really helpful to me because he helps me especially a lot with my training but um we run these six-week challenges and it's always amazing because we have like a whatsapp group with other girls in that are in a similar situation and it's like women supporting women which I find really helpful so I'm not saying that you shouldn't follow a diet plan if you do want to lose weight or track your calories like that probably is what you need to do at that minute in time but just know what weight you feel good at what you want to see in the mirror what you want your clothes to look like what's going to make you feel healthy and that is the thing you should chase not that person on Instagram or that person on TV that you see and think oh my god I want to look like that because you never know what sits underneath their story that's got them to that stage or even that they battle daily that's what I would say um, and people say to me, oh, God, you're so confident and you do this podcast and you do your Instagram and everything else. I am confident, but it doesn't matter who you are. Everyone has these darker sides, these darker moments, these challenges. And that's I always try and remember that. But one thing that's massively helped me is age. When I was younger, in my 20s, particularly, I was 
trapped in the world of comparison and thinking everybody else was like a step above me and all of that. Now I don't really care where anyone else is at or what anyone else is doing. I care about me being ha feeling happy, healthy and being the best version of myself I can be for me and for obviously Thea now as well. Just the comparison element never really been a thing for me, but I didn't grow up with the world of Instagram. It came into my life later, which I think massively helped. But yeah, again, when I've had periods of my life where I've not been happy, I probably have compared a little bit on Instagram. Like I remember when I was single and I was thinking I'm never going to meet anyone or have a baby and all I could see was like happy families. When really I know sitting behind those pictures is people whose marriage is in a mess or people that aren't happy or whatever, but what we project out is not always the case of what's actually true. So I just think checking in and reminding yourself of that is really important before you start to compare yourself. And people just have to be kind to themselves. I think don't stay stuck in a rut. Don't stay in a victim mindset of everything's against me and my life's terrible because that's also not helpful. Know yourself, know your triggers, accept who you are, accept what, you know, what can happen to you. Get help if you need it. 100%. I had a year's worth of counselling after I ended my marriage and everything else, which really helps me become more self-aware and probably help me manage things better. So I'm all for that. But I think there's so many natural aspects that you can do to improve your mental health, like exercise, fresh air, um, giving yourself space and time, doing the things that you love. All of these things, which are natural for me, natural ways to boost your mental health before necessarily medicating it. I know some people need to, that's absolutely fine. Like I said, it there's probably not many people who've been as close to mental health through their upbringing and the life as what I have with people in my own family and that's involved medication so I'm not sitting here judging anybody but for me personally I think exhaust all the natural ways that you can boost your mental health know your triggers know who you are know how to manage it the best that you can and just accept that that's who you are and don't fight against yourself and go into that battle that that would be my advice if anybody wants to hear my advice. But I wanted to share this today, mainly so that people understand I'm not some sort of perfect person on a pedestal that doesn't have some of the same challenges that other people have had. And that when you, like I said, you see that picture of me training in the gym, I think, yeah, she looks great. Well, what's sitting behind that? At least now you know. Um, and hopefully that'll help you not to make any negative comparisons to yourself against me, for example, when you see me on Instagram. So I hope you have found this helpful and useful to kind of hear a lot of these episodes are just trying to help you build up more of a picture of me as your podcast host what's happened for me in my life and kind of how I deal with it really again I will add in Spotify a poll for you to answer below and an opportunity for you to give feedback but you can also message me at any time on Instagram at Holly and Thea I always appreciate hearing from you I've got some really really exciting podcast episodes coming up that I've recorded with guests over the next few weeks particularly next week's so don't forget to hit follow so that you don't miss that episode thank you again for listening I look forward to hearing your feedback and I'll see you all again soon